Can we get started? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, you lead the way. Let's do it. All right, let's go. Welcome to the Visionary Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Lawson, um, coming to you live from Harvard University. And today I'm joined with the Ben Bellucci. Um, where are you coming in from? I'm coming in from Miami, Florida right now. It's, it's okay. From the breeze, it's good vibes, good vibes. Good vibes. Nice. Love to see it. All <laughs> right. So Ben and I go way back, the OG trainer mm-hmm. and mentor. So yeah, I'm happy to have him on today, and um, hopefully you, you all get some value out of this who are listening. So I guess I want to start out with, you know, the moves that you've been making lately oh. of with, let's start maybe in Syracuse, right? How did that yeah. move from Syracuse to Maryland happen? So um, I was basically working with Amir Yard 7 for, uh, for quite some time. And the whole goal was to get him ready for the NBA draft that, that off season. And um, focus was to, to be out there to, to get him, you know, uh, on top of his game, to extend his range with his, his three-point shooting ability for the NBA level, and just kind of, uh, you know, add a couple, couple of different footwork uh, movements to his mid-post and low-post game. So um, that time was just was primarily just to get out there and, and to get him ready for the NBA. Yeah, definitely. And I also had the opportunity to come uh, drive out and stay with you and Pop um, for like a week or so. And, you know, it was intense out there. We were cooking. We were (laughs) in the middle of uh, quarantine and COVID and everyone there was just kind of like head down grinding. But I think we're all having fun. And like, obviously, you had your supporting crew there. You had like Honor and um, 07. And during that time, how did you um, find those people to surround yourselves with? And how did that, how much of that was an impact on your success during that time? No, that's, that's a great question. So first off, anything that I, I do or I get involved with, I try to be around good people. Um, I've had some bad experiences in the past that kind of uh, gave, gave me some red flags for uh, people get, getting involved with certain people um, in business and, um, you know, just personally, but it was always a, a, an education. It was a learning experience for me. So I have no regrets of that. Um, so being able to just kind of naturally meet really good people um, and, and create that environment for myself has always been like the focus, right? So like this, this, this industry is, is really crazy. Basketball in general, super political. Um, it's very cutthroat. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that is ugly, but um, if you could find the right people to take the journey with, it, it just becomes really like a, a pleasure to be involved, um, you know, with, o- with the overall process. So. Um, I've known Honor for almost 13, 14 years. Uh, we've helped a lot of international players uh, come from specifically Turkey to the U.S. and help them get into colleges and stuff like that. And along the way, uh, we met 07. Um, and so we just built this incredible relationship. And, uh, you know, the focus was to just and make sure that we had, you know, the right team surrounded by O as we go forward into uh, his, his professional career. And so along the way, you know, just having good people uh, around you, you attract more good people like yourself. So it just becomes an environment of positivity and everyone's there to help each other out. And, um, you know, it's just something that I, I never take for granted. It's, it's really hard to find, I think, people you could just consider family throughout your, your journey, your personal journey in general. Um, so when you find them, it's something you got to grasp and really hang on to and, and uh, you know, not take it for granted because, you um, 
how did you get into that um, two-way contract? I mean, obviously, don't get technical. Don't, you know, <laughs> say something you can't. But, no, no, no. Um, I think, like, I saw that two-way contract. I was like, okay, like, this is actually real. Like, this is happening. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like there could have been some, like, doubt going on in there. Yeah. Um, even if I, if that was me in my place, like, that's the step that is going to make or break your career, or it could. Um, right. Or even more so than make or break your career, it could make or break how you view yourself as a player. So let's let's start from the beginning of his journey, right? So he was he was uh, playing for one of the biggest clubs in Europe called Fenerbahce, okay, at, as a teenager. Then he goes to NC State, he plays with Dennis Smith Jr., who was, was drafted. Uh, at the time, he was he was a highly sought after point guard who, who um, ended up having a, a good career at NC State and ended up having a good career in the NBA and still is, is is pretty known um, in the basketball world. And we got to remember this, like he goes from playing professional basketball almost to the collegiate level, which is considered amateur. Yeah. So it was, it was for him, it was like almost like a step back. Like he, he almost had to kind of find his way again in the uh, American game, because over there, it's a little bit different of a pace, it's a different position he was in. Um, then from, from there, he had a good season. He actually could have been a lottery pick. He could, they said if he left, um, out of NC State that year as a sophomore. Um, actually, let's say as a freshman, he had to sit the first eight or nine games because of, uh, so right away, he's dealing with this adversity of like, oh, I thought I was going to go on a play. So he's sitting these games. Um, and then from there, he goes into a season. He had a good freshman year. Uh, but then as a sophomore, he really kind of fell into his own at NC State. So, and for, and also for him, it was important to have his education. So, um, which is why at that point, uh, for a couple of reasons, he wanted to go to Georgetown. Number one, academically, they were really good. Um, and two, he wanted to play for a legend like Patrick Ewing. Mm -hmm. So, um, like a, a skilled big man who could teach him stuff that, you know, most college coaches in the country couldn't because of their, you know, experience as a player. So, uh, when he went there, you know, he, he had to sit out another year because he transferred. So there was another adversity, another dip in the road for him. Mm -hmm. So at this point, yeah, you can imagine like the confidence, like the timing of like, what am I doing here? Probably settled in a little bit. Um, but the thing with him is he's always worked and he's always, he's always stayed focused when it came to his development. So uh, we spent a ton of time in the offseason just developing his mid post game, um, his shooting ability. He's always a skilled guy, but just kind of breaking down a ton of film and see what we can add so that when it was time to play in this American fast-paced game, he had no holes offensively, especially, and defensively. Um, so anyways, then he goes into his, uh, the following year at Georgetown, and he had a solid, he had a solid, uh, you know, year. I mean, he averaged uh, pretty much a double-double. Um, he, he had some big games. Um, but now what happens is this. So guys like Honor and I were just, we kept him in a good headspace because it was really important uh, to kind of like get rid of all the outside noise and just stay yeah. locked in. So from there, because uh, he went undrafted. So on draft night, we had the expectations he was going to go in the late second round, um, mm -hmm. but that didn't happen. So he goes undrafted, he signs with OKC Blue, and he's, he's actually coming off the bench there too. And he had some really efficient numbers. I, again, I think he averaged nearly a double-double there yeah. and, and um, you know, just played his game. And then from there, after that was over, he came to Miami. He stayed with me for, for a couple months and we just trained and trained and trained. 
and still the word was out like you know we're not sure we're not sure what to do and then all this covid stuff hit and it just became another crazy part of the of, of his journey um and uh luckily we're working out at a facility where there's a whole bunch of nba players in there and we brought a really um uh, strong name videographer by with swiss cultures um and they're very connected in the nba and we got some videos um you know after that he signs uh, you know, a pretty decent contract for two years and we're still in the gym every night working. So um, basically him, I'm sorry, we, we missed one step. So then basically him playing in the summer league is when it all kind of set off. I mean, this first game, he had 27 points and 19 rebounds. Yep. Uh, he played out of his mind and then he continued to uh, show what he would, you know, his worth as a, as a big in today's NBA. And after that first game in Sacramento, and then the second game, put up another, you know, huge stat line. Everyone was like, okay, this kid can really play. So that was kind of, you know, the, the journey to get there. So you kind of, you got to look at his journey from like, from as a teenager, he was a pro. College, he goes through all these up and downs. People question him as an NBA player. And then he, someone truly just gave him a shot, which that's most of what these guys need. And he just capitalized on it. And the rest is history. So, um, He's going to have a really good opportunity to get some minutes with Miami. And I think at some point he'll probably start midseason. Um, your so, season. Your, your season. season. <laughs> so that's kind of like that a, hashtag. a short story uh, of the journey. Um, okay. And along the, and, and during the whole time, um, you know, I'm constantly breaking this film down. We're in the gym nonstop. Um, we're doing three-day workouts. You know how we get down. We're doing yeah. shooting in the morning midday lift, going back at night and, and do skill. A couple days a week, he's running with these other guys. Um, so it's an intense schedule. Um, I always like to put my guys and, and my girls uh, on schedules in the off season where it just feels like they're really getting better and developing. And so mm -hmm. when they go into that fall, they're just like, my summer, I've prepared so much for it. Your confidence should be through the roof. And, and all of the skills we worked on should just feel like second nature. So, um, you know, the, the journey was amazing. Uh, we're just getting started in and, um, you know, sky's the limit from here. Yeah. Yeah. And for you personally, when was it that you decided that basketball was going to be a career for you? So my, my journey was, was, uh, was a bit crazy. I don't, yeah. I don't recommend anybody do it. So I, yeah. <laughs> I played at CNS. Um, my coaches at the time didn't believe in me at all. They said I was a dime a dozen. They didn't help recruit and look for any schools at all. Um, they just were, they were just there just to sit on the bench and, and be high school coaches, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. didn't, we didn't have that relationship off the court. I was in a position where I had to fend for myself. Um, and during the time prep school wasn't the thing. So yeah. uh, I, I went the junior college route and, um, I had a very close friend of mine kind of helping me during that time. Um, but anyways, I had one school interested. It's called Lackawanna college. It's a junior college. In Pennsylvania, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yep, Scranton. Yeah, I went there uh, as a freshman. I had a really good season, and then I transferred to another junior college in California because there wasn't a lot of exposure at at the school in Scranton. And I had I got some offers from Wagner, Sacred Heart, um, Rutgers at the time, and some small smaller Division One schools. But what happened was I was in classes that were non-transferable. So when I wanted to transfer to one of these scholarship schools, they looked at my transcript. They said, academically, you're a freshman and athletically, you're going to be a junior. So mm -hmm. I set out a year 
I had a lot of question marks what I wanted to do next because I was back in Syracuse. Yep. I had to go to OTC. I had to get my grades up, this and that. Yeah. And by the time everything kind of developed and, and uh, I got the grades, I got the credits, when I went back to these schools, it was kind of, I was kind of behind the eight ball because it, we were unsure because that whole year went by. And you know how college basketball is. There's so many other kids lined up and ready to go. So, you know, um, most of the schools had signed the, the kids that they wanted. And I lost touch with a lot of schools. So, and I'm going to Brockport. And uh, it was a great fit for me at the time. Um, as I went there as a junior, I put up some good numbers. We, we, we were 18 and 10, I believe. Um, we had a pretty decent year. And then in my senior year, I went in and I got player of the year, um, the SUNYACs, I was a second team All-American. And then from there, I went to Iceland and played professionally. Um, and then I went to Romania and then Italy for a little bit and just bounced around Europe. So anyways, when I came back from Europe, um, after some injuries, I start working with a few kids and then all of a sudden it grew into a business. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea what I wanted to do outside of not playing basketball. And all of a sudden one kid's asked me to, to work him out. Then his friends called the next week. And then it just slowly developed and developed and developed and just more things grew out of this. Um, so then I just been doing this for 10 plus years. And along the way, um, you know, we worked with thousands of kids uh, in, in central New York. Um, we expanded into Maryland, into Florida, into Texas with our youth programs as we're still doing that. Yeah. And uh, I'm focusing on three of my MBA guys at the moment and kind of managing my other academies. And so basketball has been a part of my life forever. Um, and it's something that is just, it, what makes it special is like this, like the relationship that I have with, with players like you and like, oh, um, because at the end of it, if you don't have build those relationships and those bonds, you know, with people, it just becomes like a job, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what I didn't want it to do. I wanted to feel like I wasn't working one day in my life. I wanted to feel like everything that, you know, I wake up and I'm working with players and this and that, like, it just feels like, and I'm so blessed to be able to, to have basketball still be uh, a part of my life, but more importantly, the relationships, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. And what do you think, what was like the thought process going through your head when you decided that you were going to take the next step and level up again from BBA, from um, staying in central New York? Like, when did you know that that was kind of, it was kind of time to like still manage that, but not be directly involved? Like, I know I had to stop training with you because you weren't there anymore. Obviously, it was all from a place of personal growth. What was your thought process behind making the next move and deciding that keep going and keep pursuing this career? I think I always felt that at some point I was going to have an opportunity to be in quote unquote, like the NBA environment. Yeah. Um, because I knew that my work ethic as a player was always translating as a player development coach. Mm -hmm. I mean, even to this day, like I'm watching film like crazy. I'm learning from the best trainers out there. I'm watching these trainers in the gym with these other NBA clients. I'm picking the NBA players' brains, the ones they don't even work with. And I'm just like, I'm asking them, you know, what do you see in situations like this? What do you see in situations like that? And so I'm constantly learning. So I knew that my work ethic would get me to a place inevitably because I was, I'm still, I'm always a hungry and ambitious person. So um, I just felt that I think with, with 07, I knew in my gut, like he was going to make it and we were going to take this journey together. Like it was something that was going to happen naturally. Uh, honor is like my brother, man. He's, he's pushed me to, to limits. 
outside of my comfort zone I never thought I would go to. So he's always saw like the 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 skill and the the um, the personal drive in myself, and he kept pushing me and pushing me, saying like you're great, you can do this, you can do this. So um, between him and Bob, kind of always having like these higher standards as much as I have high standards they they saw something that maybe I didn't I needed that little push um and I think that was kind of like the difference maker was like having having those guys especially was was probably when I felt like okay like I know I can do something big you know with this so in my heart I know that I'm gonna outwork everybody and because I have to because I don't have I don't have certain skills that other people have, I feel like personally. So I always have to outwork people, always. Yeah. Um, so I think that was kind of just like a natural thing that occurred, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, how much of it do you take personally, like seeing other people on their path and stuff? Like how personally do you take it when they're ahead or like you're feeling behind or is it really just not even that at all? It's really just you versus you out there. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I've been asked before, like, this is when I, when I'm doing something, I just see this. I don't even see anything. I've never been like that because I feel like I'm wasting time every time looking left or right or what's this person doing. Like, I know that I have my own personal journey and not to compare myself to anybody. And it's a tough thing to do, you know, because we all at the end of the day want approval from the outside. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to say that I still don't in certain areas, just, but when it comes to this stuff, I just have a certain drive and focus that I don't even, it's just me, me versus me. Yeah. I, I've been, I've been, I've always goal set it. I've always, I've always, I've told you this, I've always written my goals down. I've had uh, stuff duct taped to my, my bathroom window, uh, yeah. mirrors everywhere. Just like notes, 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 just stuff that I wanted to accomplish where I want to be. And all of those things, all of that goal setting to this day, I can show you, I've accomplished all of them because I'm subconsciously always looking at them. I'm always going toward that. So that is my competition is, is those goals, right? Yeah. Like I'm always like, okay, there's one more, there's one more, there's one more. What's next? What's next? What's, what's next? You know, it's never a money chase because that's always going to come when you're passionate about something or you work hard at something. Um, obviously that's the end. That's, that's a goal. Everyone wants to achieve at some point is being in a financial situation. That's that they have freedom. Yeah. But if you can do that while you're doing something you love, I mean, you, 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 you win. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're going to win long term. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, you know, my drive has always came from uh, not having and not having like um, certain things that's handed to me. So I've always had this crazy drive. Like I got to accomplish it myself. Like the late hours in the gym by myself, rebound, even as a player, like, I remember there was nights where I go to an outdoor park and the light was broken. I'm shooting in the dark and I'm like, I got to get these shots. I got to get these reps up. Like no excuses, nothing. You know what I mean? So that's stayed with me to this day. Let's dive into the goal setting and how important it is to put the pen to the paper, not just put the pen to the paper, close the notebook, put the journal away, pick it up a year later and be like, oh, I forgot I wrote this down. What do you do to really hone in on those goals? And do you just do one at a time or... How does, how do you go about that? Cause I know you have multiple eggs in the basket at all times, multiple mm-hmm. businesses and you have 5%. Yeah. So once I feel like something is to the point where I have a good management over it, then I feel like I can go to the next thing. I okay. won't jump to the next thing until I feel like, okay, this thing, this thing is, it's running. 
I had the right pieces in place. I had the right people in place. I had the right pieces going on. Okay, now let's go to the next thing. And then I might see a business opportunity where it could cross with what an existence yep. is. So I know that my time being spent with both of these are going to kind of eventually, you know, mold into to one. Um, so I, I think it's just staying organized, right? And again, it goes back to outworking people. So I get up early in the morning, I'm writing notes. I go to bed late, I'm writing notes. I always have like an organization in my mind and I'm writing it down. And then I'm constantly like mapping things out, but I always want to make sure that I like I accomplish the first one before I go to the next one, to the next one. So it's still staying organized is really big. Mm -hmm. I, like I said, I think that, and the goals and then the goals come from just kind of my intuition. Like, I don't know, sometimes it's like, what's next or it'll just hit me or um, I'm reading something or I'm looking at something like, boom, I got to do this. I got to do this. Oh, okay. There's, there's another idea. So I think also too, in this craziness uh, of all, everything I'm telling you and all of the stuff that's going on when I'm at my best is when I'm like, not thinking it's totally yeah. present, totally silent. I'm just looking at a tree or, or the water and all of a sudden, like, there's no thoughts. It's just being focused on presence. And then I feel like the universe, God, something is just like, Ooh. and I was like, okay, there's the next idea or there's the next thing. So um, writing goals down at this point for me, they're coming from a place of just complete silence. If that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. You know, fine. because I, I, I've, I've no, I know getting to this point, what it took and where I want to go. So now it's just kind of like making sure that um, it's done the right way. The quality is always still there. So I can, I can go on. If I, if it's a bunch of quantity, a bunch of things floating around and nothing gets accomplished, then I'm just chasing my tail. You know what I mean? So it, it really has to be organized for me. I think Pav has really kind of given me uh, the awareness for that presence because she always sees the beauty in everything. So I've learned a lot from her as far as just like okay slow down you know um and then in the same breath they're also like my drive too so when i look at them i'm like okay i gotta keep working harder i gotta work hard i gotta i gotta provide i gotta be a dad i gotta be a mm -hmm. husband i gotta i gotta give you know more opportunity so i think um just having them as like my solid foundation is always the reminder to slow down and then to speed it up as well um but yeah, I mean, there's just like, like we were just driving, I don't know, uh, I can't remember where we were, and we just noticed it was like a, a nice little like stream or like a lake, whatever, and we just pulled over and just stopped, and we were just like, let's just take it in, you know? So those moments are are really, uh, I'm always looking for those moments, right? Because yeah. I'm so busy that my mind just needs those moments just to kind of just stop. So I think you can find them anytime, right? What works for you? My, my best time is when I'm in the car alone, but it's my personal time when I'm in the car alone. Um, when I wake up in the morning and I have my coffee, no one's up yet. Or in the evening when everyone's sleeping, I'll come up here um, to to the pool area and just kind of just sit down and just kind of just chill. You know, yeah. um, they're just there. Like when I get the when I get off this call, I might have two or three minutes up here by myself. That's all I need. You know, yeah. it doesn't have to be an hour, two hours. It's get what you can. You can get a lot out of just sitting on the shuttle bus going into um, go. Cambridge or right. so, and you're just kind of there and you can really just be with yourself for a second. No, yeah. that's, it doesn't have to be structured, you know? I can't remember, I was, I was reading a book or something and this guy was talking about like, you know, you're, when, when you 
when you're like present and stuff he's like yeah like one time he was telling a story about a guy who was doing yoga and someone interrupted him he turned around like why why are you interrupting me when i'm doing my yoga like <laughs> yeah and he's not like, chill he's not chill. yeah it's not that's not what it is you know being present is like you just smell the roses right you walk yeah. by and you see something beautiful and you're just kind of with that moment or uh, even taking a drink of water you know you're trying to just kind of like be as present as possible which is really hard um and then the other thing is don't be so hard yourself if you're not right like just yeah. if, in today's world it's, it's, it's just tough there's so much going on i mean think about you like you have homework practice phone calls you got your podcast running out you have this you have that like you know it's not always going to be the same yeah so even if you're but yeah i kind of want to go back to talking about Hobbs. I felt so lucky and I don't know my heart was just so full and I was able to stay with you guys because I just love that that you brought that up how you are continuing to learn from Pav and how she offsets the hustle a little bit (laughs) you know the present moment being so chill what is your reason and your why for showing up is it what is your why yeah my why is my family now Mm -hmm. that's it like it was before that I think it was I don't know like before that it was just uh i think maybe have a purpose maybe I, I don't know if i would hustle this hard or work this hard if i didn't have them uh, the goal is to, to have is, is to buy time right so mm-hmm. you can build things and manage them and you know you can you can create your own income you can buy time and that's how i look at it right so in that time you can be spent with them so like my goal right now is just to hustle like crazy so that at some point I could drive my kids to school and have those conversations in the car with them and go to their game and stuff like that. So um, what I'm, the, 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 the pace that I'm on right now is, is crazy. I'm, I'm going zero to 120, you know what I mean? Yeah. But at some point I, I'm, I'm gonna fall back and, and step back a little bit so that I can have those moments. So, um, and this, the second year I was there, um, I ran into Bob on the beach and we were just, you know, we were talking and, and, and hanging out. And it was just something really like, like Nat showing. And coincidentally, she was going to school and, and Parsons in New York City at the time. And I was living in, I was back in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, we just, we, we went back and forth actually from New York City to Syracuse. And eventually she moved to Syracuse and we got married right away. And then the rest is history. But um, what Pod brings to me is, is balance. She's, she's totally like a carefree kind of personality Um, again she sees the beauty and everything and she's just very she just has like full of love and for everybody you know what I mean and it just became contagious for me to see like how uh, like how positive she was about about stuff and I'm more of like a warrior and she's more like kind of like a free like you know worry about a tough thing so she gave me a really great balance in my life she still does um she she's my rock she's she's everything for me and you know we're best friends at the same breath so it's it's something that i'm like this it's the ultimate gift you can possibly mm-hmm. have it's like finding that person and then and then when you have you know a kid one day and, and you have someone like mila like she has this, like such a strong personality already and, and <laughs> i can see the beauty in her already just yep. so it's amazing so that's great yeah okay. i think we can wrap up now. Um, oh. I have some quick vision questions. This is the 
last segment. All right. I ask, so, you, I ask you questions. Yeah, you ask me questions. Go for it. Okay. So, what was your motivation behind this podcast? Because this is awesome. It's basically for my high school self and the people in my life who I have now um, that I want everyone to have out there. And I want them to know that they have people really that they can find inspiration in just having conversations if you ask the right questions. Right. So. That's awesome. Well, last, yeah. where are you going to be after, after Harvard? You graduate? Wait for after Harvard? Well, let's see. I have three years here to play. Okay. I have three years to play here. Where are you gonna be? Where are you gonna be when you're done playing college basketball? What's not? What's where are you gonna be at? That's that summer. Where are you gonna be? That summer? Yeah. Mm, let's see. All right, I'm gonna be training with you. For what? And then we're gonna go. We're gonna go pro. Yep. No, <laughs> no, pro is not good enough. No. Okay. <laughs> you. Yeah. Yep. I respect I, it. Yeah, I respect I told it. As a what? Sophomore, junior? I said WNBA is a go. WNBA. All right. So. After my three years at Harvard, I'm going to come train with Ben Bellucci in Miami. We're going to get boxing. We're going to get training. And we're going to get ready for the WNBA. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yep. I mean, that's honestly the best lesson I've learned from you. Just, like, push for more because <laughs> you can do it. And, yeah. 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 And anything. You will. You're, you've got it all. You've got the package. You have the complete package on and off the court. You're going to be fine. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <clears throat> this is me editing and I just want to point out that this right here where I am struggling to say it out loud to say my goals out loud and Ben is challenging me in the best way possible and helping me push for more this is one of the most important things you can do and when you're looking for a person um, for that person to be in your supporting cast and to be the one um, your supporting crew really look for the people who push you outside of your comfort zone you can hear me laughing in this clip and I just want to really point out and bring attention to how important that is for growth because you can talk the talk all you want but until you have someone who forces you to commit to your goals and say them out loud you are not going to get very far whatever you need to do. Um, you can only answer the five questions. You have to answer it in one word or one sentence. Eyes closed? Whatever you want, bro. Uh, one, one, one sentence, one word? Yep. Okay. All right, favorite song at the moment? Drake, you're gonna laugh at this one. Yeba, the Yeba song, soundtrack. It's, okay. it's the one where it's not, he's not even singing. <laughs> it's the girl. Okay. <laughs> go ahead next what do you most focus on in this season of your life career how do you envision yourself in five years uh living in miami two kids financially free everything's running amazing yep your number one inspiration on that one <laughs> <laughs> that was a my number one inspiration yeah outside of pop and mimi Number one inspiration outside of my family. Mm, yeah. My family who became family. Okay. Advice for a, long, a young visionary slash how a young person can tap into their inner visionary. Set goals. Period. All right. 
Thank you so much for coming on. Visionary! Visionary. <laughs> I don't know what I figure that logo. I like yeah. how you your, all your, your last questions were like one sentence, one word, and I just gave you shit. <laughs> <laughs> you like career. <laughs> oh my gosh. Set goals. What was that? Those are tough when you're on the hot seat. Like, you gotta think. Yeah. Oh. I know. You gotta reflect. That's why I said close your eyes, but. I'll, I'll, I want to do that one again one day. I wasn't ready for that. All right. All right. Fine. That's all I have for today. If you valued anything that was said in this episode, be sure to hit the follow for more. I'll leave you like I always leave you. If you can see it, you can be it. It all starts with you. Double L. <laughs> Let's see, hustle.